0: to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock, People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick.
1: And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick. And as always, we like to talk about things related to resiliency, business continuity, disaster planning, emergency response, crisis management, and anything that can be related to those topics. Uh, A couple of announcements. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone that on uh, May 29th and 30th, I will be at the second uh, annual Continuity and Resilience Today conference in Toronto. Last year was a great conference and we had some great speakers come on the show afterwards and I'm hoping we can do that again uh, this year uh, so we can get some uh, new uh, ideas and some great insights from some uh, fantastic speakers. Uh, There's also the button on the webpage for the show where you can send me any ideas for topics or uh, people you'd like to hear on the show. Send me an email. I do respond to all requests and uh, we'll see about getting you on the show to talk about your topic or finding someone else to come on the show and uh, talk about you know whatever it is you want to hear about. And of course, if there's any uh, sponsorships or advertising you want us to promote on the show, please get in touch. You know, we can do that, too. We can get some commercials put together for you and uh, air. You know, we do have an audience around the globe, and it's growing every week. So please feel free, send me an email and or just basic feedback. i um, open to that as well. You might remember that back in September, we did a live broadcast from the Disaster Recovery Journal Conference in Phoenix. And during our live broadcast, I talked to a lady by the name of Sherry Umloff who represented the Association of Continuity Professionals. And when she and I were speaking offline, uh, she suggested that I reach out to um, basically her boss in the organization, I guess you could say. And I have him as our guest today. So I'd like to welcome to the show, now I'm going to get the title wrong, but uh, the show, the president of the Association of Continuity Professionals, Mr. Scott Rehm. Scott, welcome to the show.
2: Great. Thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, And yeah, it's not president, it's actually board chairperson. We don't have a president.
1: (laughs) Board chair. I knew it was a different title, and and I couldn't remember what it was. So I thought, well, you know, if I say president, you'll correct me, but at least people know what I'm saying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good.
1: So, um, for, for everyone that's listening out there, you know, all around the world, can you tell us a bit about yourself, you know, your biography, you know, some of your experiences, and especially how you got into, you know, the, the business continuity disaster recovery uh, industry?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to share that, Alex. Uh, let me know if I get too long-winded. I'll, I'll do my best to keep it short. Uh, <laughs> on, on a personal level, um, I grew up in Philadelphia, um, and actually, my growing up years were bicoastal. My family... Uh, Traveled from Philadelphia out to California for a few years, back to Connecticut for a few more years, back to Los Angeles, and ultimately uh, my family landed in Santa Barbara County, where my family started Saca Mesa Winery, which continues to thrive, although sadly no longer in the family. Uh, But that was a great foundation for, um, you know, just helping me, prepare me for just the fine appreciation I have for this country and all the things that are worth protecting in this country. And that really Mm -hmm. has become a passion for me, is ensuring um, our Western way of life. Um, After graduation and through a number of uh, previous jobs, uh, I started Virtual Corporation, my company, Uh, in 1994. Um, Prior to that, I had done process consulting um, for a number of years and found that I really enjoyed it and wasn't too bad at it. Uh, And along the way, I had the opportunity to do a few business continuity and or IT disaster recovery or crisis management projects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more I got involved in business continuity, the more I really became enamored with it. Um, And I think as a process consultant, what really um, struck a chord with me, captured my interest, is there are so few kinds of careers where you have the opportunity to interact with leaders across a complex global or regional organization and address with them, well, what are those few most critical things that are done across this enterprise, and what are the plans and strategies you would do if you can't do them the way you do them normally. And uh, it leads to all kinds of interesting conversations, and uh, it has certainly kept me healthily engaged these past 25 years. So uh, along the the road, um, I had the opportunity to work with a Warner-Lambert company. It was actually the first company that uh, helped us launch the business, both on the pharmaceutical side and their consumer product side. We helped them design and launch a global business continuity program. Through the 90s, helped a number of other organizations, and uh, approaching Y2K, uh, had the opportunity to help Nike um, with their everything-but-IT Y2K program. So. We were uh, involved with uh, their manufacturing operation, with their outsourced manufacturing and distribution operation, and of course, corporate headquarters. Uh, And just a quick little story on on Nike. Uh, I'm not sure many people realize that the only thing they manufacture themselves, or at least this is the way it used to be, not sure if it still is, but they manufacture the airbag that goes in the shoe. And it's a proprietary molecule that you know, allows the airbag to retain its pressure. But if, from a business continuity standpoint, if they don't get that, shoe, that airbag in a shoe within 48 hours, it expands too much to fit in a shoe. And they had really? to ship them via Federal Express to um, their manufacturing sites across the world. So that in itself was a fascinating aspect of that project.
1: Yeah, that's interesting to hear.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, after that, and of course, uh, we all know Y2K thankfully became a non-event. Um, I believe largely through the efforts of business continuity and technology um, planners across the, across the world, frankly, and, you know, there probably was a little bit of uh, excess hype in there, but, you know, the net of it was, all was good. Um, a watershed event occurred for us in 2001 when uh, we were selected by Kaiser Permanente, uh, and for those outside the U.S., this is one of the largest uh, healthcare providers here in the U.S., um, they Their board, coming off of Y2K, didn't want to lose all that knowledge that had come together for you know what are our critical operations and what would we do. So the board mandated a business continuity program. And I had the pleasure to work with Skip Skivington, who was the business continuity director who had just taken the job. And uh, I had the pleasure of working with Skip um, after being selected from 25 vendors. To actually design their program from scratch, and then over two and a half years, uh, we roll. Well, we assembled a team of uh, business continuity professionals that were hired by Kaiser, and we rolled out six thousand business continuity plans across the U.S. to all their operations. And along wow. the way, uh, there wasn't a really good software tool at that time that would allow you to distribute the responsibility for business continuity across an organization. At that time in the early 2000s, business continuity was largely still being done by the business continuity professional and supporting departments to do planning, but not really having the departments own the plan and do their own updates. So I had some ideas, and uh, long and behold, Kaiser's IT department built a software product uh, that we rolled out across Kaiser, and it was actually good enough that in 2003, I... Negotiated the intellectual property rights to it, and Sustainable Planner was born, uh, which has become a primary focus of our company. We still continue to do very significant uh, professional services consulting across all the disciplines of enterprise resilience, but um, we also now have a significant um, investment and activity supporting large enterprise, um, government, healthcare, and others. Uh, through the use of our software platform, so that really, you know, is a quick summary of you know my history with the company. I do want to share, and I'm sure so many people, probably pretty much everyone who is old enough to remember 9/11, has a story. Um, we were mm-hmm. in the early stages of launching Kaiser Permanente. And uh, I was at Newark Airport in New Jersey that morning of 9-11, scheduled to be on a flight from Newark to San Francisco. Uh, and this was an hour and a half after the, uh, I believe, what was it, an American Airlines flight? Um, I don't remember which airline it was, but it wasn't United. But another flight from Newark to San Francisco went down in the fields of Pennsylvania, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. that, even still to this day, um, is a very difficult memory. Um, I, I actually, being a, a photographer by passion, um, I had I took some pictures that morning of the airport and the towers um, uh, in New York City. And I keep that, uh, my boarding pass and those pictures on my desk as a constant reminder if I ever think I'm having a bad day.
1: Yeah. Yes. Significantly.
2: You know, interest- yeah, it is, Alex. And it's interesting. After 9-11, we saw a tremendous growth in the industry. Um, not only business continuity, but particularly crisis management. I think that was one of the major lessons that Wall Street and other organizations learned from the 9-11 event was the importance of having a plan on how we're going to communicate. Um, and in fact, uh, as there have been many case studies on this, quite a few organizations went out of business after 9-11. And I'm reminded of uh, some consulting I did back in the 90s with Wall Street, where, you know, talking about, well, what are your recovery strategies? And they're like, oh, we have a reciprocal agreement with the brokerage firm across the street from us. And I'm like, you do? And that's, that's acceptable? And they're like, well, sure, you know? And I'm like, well, what would you do if there's an event that impacts all of uh, Lower Manhattan? Oh, well, we wouldn't worry about that because, you know, all brokerages would be out. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, that was a lesson hard learned uh, for Wall Street um, and other organizations across the country. But, um, you know, it, it has always been... A sense of pride for me, and I know for pretty much everybody who works in this space, that the work we do is very important. It's, you know, mostly hidden. Um, it's, it's not sexy or, you know, it's it's not a revenue center for businesses, but the importance of ensuring that organizations have plans and practices and resources ready to go to ensure that their most critical functions their most critical IT assets, their most critical business, manufacturing, healthcare assets, um, are going to be protected. It, it allows me to sleep very comfortably at night.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. It's it's you know it's just like the show's name. You're preparing for the unexpected. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the level of impact it's going to have. You know mm-hmm. and. and being prepared and being able to manage that and get through it and having people aware of what they need to do that's you know a, a fantastic thing to have in place you're you're helping people in the communities you know that that are are, are reliant on you
2: exactly and you know what a, there couldn't be a better segue alex uh into uh, the ACP, or as it's called, the Association of Continuity Professionals. Now, um, it's, well, there, there's one thing. Oh, sorry. There was
1: Go one story. There was one story um, that you've mentioned. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned it in um, uh, the notes we sent back and forth. You had a, a story about Boeing.
2: Well, yes. Um, I did, mean, did Boeing you wanted to as, touch on that
1: as, so we don't don't forget that one, that piece?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, okay. Boeing. Uh, decided that it was important that they, you know, formally engage in business continuity as a practice back in 2005. And I had the opportunity to meet with someone from their IT organization, in fact, the individual responsible for disaster recovery. And uh, I volunteered my company to spend uh, a a two-day workshop with the IT director to brainstorm on how best to bring a sustainable enterprise-wide business continuity program to Boeing, and we developed a white paper out of that, and that was in the summer of 2005, and I, I felt good about it, but, you know, didn't hear anything else, and then it was like the second week of January of 2006, I got a phone call from the woman who had just been directed, uh, I've now been told I'm in charge of business continuity for Boeing, and I was given a PowerPoint presentation and your business card, <laughs> and <laughs> that that started a wonderful relationship uh, with individuals who, you know, for I don't have their permission to mention by name, so I, I won't. But it was through the Shared Services Group at Boeing that the program was launched, and I believe today it still lives. And um, again, what a great opportunity. Uh, I'm an electrical engineer by background uh, from the University of Pennsylvania uh, and just love technology. I'm I'm absolutely a geek, and probably have been a geek long (laughs) before it was uh, sexy to be a geek.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Has it ever been? I'm not sure.
2: Oh well, you know, hey, today if you if you're a, if you're a startup geek and you're make and you, you just did an IPA, IPO, I think that could be called sexy.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the perfect spot to to end our first segment. We're going to come back. We're talking with Scott Ream, the board chair of ACP, and we're going to start getting into the uh, the meat and potatoes of what ACP is. We'll be right back with Scott Ream.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited. Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest, Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life.
3: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone road.com. Again, that's info at stone road.com. Now back to preparing for the unexpected.
1: And welcome back to the show. Today we're talking with Scott Reem, the board chair of the Association of Continuity Professionals. Scott, you gave us the, some great information in our first segment, and now in the second second segment, I'd like to really move into what uh, um, ACP is all about so can you kind of give us a, a you know a history of of ACP and just you know tell us everything about ACP
2: I would be happy to um, It has been such an honor to serve on the National board um, so let me start with a little bit of a history um, uh, the ACP was founded in 1986 as a California not-for-profit with the name the Association of Contingency Planners. Um, wow. And that is that is the name they had all the way until 2016, which is just about the time that I joined them. And I'm going to be honest, um, I wasn't thrilled with their previous name, and I, that may well be why... I didn't immerse myself in the association up to that point because I thought contingency planners is kind of old speak for even business continuity. And frankly, contingency planning really doesn't effectively cover the full breadth of what we all know is our focus today and is absolutely the focus of the ACP, which is enterprise resilience or uh, Mm -hmm. organizational resilience, you know, the. There's your term we're using today.
1: Yeah, it's like a progression, right? You know, we, we progress.
2: Exactly. And, you know, I, I'd like to share with you um, the um, out of our Articles of Incorporation in 2016 that the ACP is established as a mutual benefit association, of individuals and organizations responsible for or participating in, and here's the key part, you know, listen to the breadth of the disciplines, business continuity, crisis management, continuity of operations, can't forget our friends in government, emergency management, preparedness and disaster recovery, and, you know, to me, the only thing that historically that hasn't represented and is absolutely becoming a sharper focus for the ACP as well is, of course, the field of cybersecurity, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, is very present today. And and actually, um, maybe if we have time in the next segment, I can explain a little bit more of how I see cybersecurity as uh, a real driver for overall enterprise resilience. But staying sure. with our our topic on ACP, that's what really struck me and got me energized about the ACP um, is this focus on enterprise resilience. And frankly, I must also admit that, you know, in by twenty sixteen, you know, I had been myself now a practitioner for twenty two years, and I had a pretty broad swath of network of my own across the country and, and to some degree internationally. And I, I came to find out that those people that I had among the highest respect for, many of them were ACP members. And, and that really resonated for me. And, and that got me thinking, at least for myself, that this is something I needed to look at more closely. So I joined personally in um, 2016 And uh, by the time the board elections came around in in September, October of that year, um, I thought, you know what, I'll just throw my hat in the ring. And uh, I was blessed, uh, or cursed, depending on your view of sitting (laughs) on boards. (laughs) Careful Uh, what you wish for. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I was nominated as a board member and uh, spent my first year working as a board member under the then current board chairperson. Uh, It was a tremendously uh, formative year for me. I learned a lot. Uh, And uh, I thought that there was something, again, coming with my entrepreneurial background, because besides um, electrical engineering when I was at Penn, I also uh, uh, co-majored at Wharton in entrepreneurial business. And I think that has served me very well. And I thought that there was something I could do to contribute to the board and to the ACP organization if there was interest in having me lead the board as their chairperson. So I threw my hat in that ring uh, at the end of 2017. And lo and behold, (laughs) uh, I was cursed, uh, blessed uh, to be the (laughs) national board chairperson for 2017. And I want to speak for a few minutes about the extraordinary work that the board has done in two thousand and eighteen um, I mean sure. every year the National board achieves great things, but um, as a board in February, which is when we hold our annual face-to-face meeting held in concert with and with support from, significant support from, so shout out to uh, the Disaster Recovery Institute. Um, They have been a strong partner of the ACP all these years, and I can't say enough good things about them. Um, But at our um, February meeting at DRI, we held it We hold it the day before the DRI conference starts, I kicked off the retreat with an idea that um, I thought that the board could benefit from some restructuring and also revisioning ourselves in terms of how we interact with the ACP membership. And so the essence of that vision was I I worked with the board on, okay, let's look at what are the critical functions that we perform in support of our membership. And we went through a series of exercises, and we then boiled this down and tried to group things in ways that made sense. And we ended up with six focus areas that are the essence of what your national board, the ACP's national board, delivers to its chapters. And I'll talk a little more about the chapters in a minute. But our um, board committees, each um, led by two of our board members, are operations, which takes care of and manages and interacts with our national um, ACP office, which is up in Albany, New York. Shout out to the folks up there. (laughs) Um, The second is our Strategic Partnership Committee, which interacts with organizations who uh, wish to be sponsors, uh, but even more so with organizations that want to partner with the ACP. So I'm very proud to announce that this year we just forged a partnership with the BCI America, uh, and we are in the early stages of beginning to leverage how that partnership can bring benefit to the various ACP chapters and to the BCI member community. We Mm -hmm. also forge partnerships with other business continuity, disaster recovery, emergency management associations. And it's interesting, you know, there are a number of local Associations like the association in Ohio, or associations in other states around the country, where historically there's been a little bit of a, you know, stay out of my turf, I'll stay out of yours, um, mm-hmm. and that that may benefit the you know the two organizations, but it doesn't benefit the members at large, and so. Um, with help from the Strategic Partnership Committee and led, actually, majority led by their work effort, we actually developed a a sharing and partnering agreement with the other association in Ohio, which I should have been better prepared and had their name ready here. Um, (laughs) But we now have that forged relationship, and that has been a template now that we are leveraging around the country. So, for individuals from any association here in the U.S. or abroad that is interested in exploring how the ACP could work together with you, bring resource value to you, leverage values that you could bring to our members, please re- reach out to me. I'll be sharing my contact information, I guess, here in the final segment. So that's kind of like the the you know, the heart and passion uh, of the ACP National Board, um, our vision, you know, the world's premier association on resiliency professionals, our mission, shaping and supporting the global community of resilience practitioners. The crisp, you know, maybe not, you know, the, the words that uh, uh, you'll remember <laughs> for more than five minutes, but... <laughs> It really speaks to the heart of, as I've already said, our passion. Um, this equally applies to each of our 35 uh, chapters across the United States. And interestingly, each chapter is in themselves an entity under themselves. They have their own local board. They have their own local committees. And they obviously have their own local membership. And Mm -hmm. as National, it's our job to support them. And so that aligns with the next committee that I was going to mention from National, which is the Chapter Development Committee. So that committee is there to help our existing chapters to grow, to expand, to address leadership issues within their own chapter. Um, It is also how we reach out and assist individuals who happen to be in an area where there is no chapter. And again, shout out anyone who's thinking that they uh, might be interested in forming a chapter organization in a region not well served. Again, please reach out to me. Happy to connect you. So the fourth of our committees is the membership engagement. And we're in the final stages of putting together a mentorship program, which we will be promoting, announcing to our membership uh, early in the new year. We also have a marketing committee that uh, is doing terrific work and has more work to do as we enhance our social media presence. In fact, we've we've beefed that up significantly already and continue to work on making a more clear, present, and valuable web presence for the association. And then one that's dear to my heart is our last committee, which is the Innovations Committee, led by um, two of our board members. Uh, members that is focused on what's next, what can we do to help the industry, and there's some very exciting ideas that will be being promoted uh, to our membership here early in 2019 that have been the focus of work this year. Mm-hmm. So with that, that's, that's kind of an overview of, you know, the, the board with a little bit on the chapters. I mean, the rest of the story on chapters would be we have 1,700 members across the U.S., covering the entire United States from Alaska in the far northwest, all the way down to Florida in the far southeast. Um, And for anyone interested in contacting the ACP, our website is acp-international.com. Again, acp-international.com. And you can I'll contact include, the
1: national. I'll, I'll include that in the show description when I submit all this so that uh, any oh, listeners perfect. out there, if they don't catch it, um, it you'll be able to, to see it in print.
2: Perfect. And if you're interested in emailing the national office, it's just staff at acp international.com. Uh, should I share the phone number or you, you'll have that?
1: I'll put that in the show description as well. It's a 1 800 number um, for anyone out there listening, so it's not, uh, you know, you won't get charged for it. I do have a question for you, though, Sean. You you mentioned that uh, ACP is uh, currently uh, US based. Do you have plans, especially with this Innovations Committee, um, to expand that to go into other markets, Europe or Canada or Mexico or Asia,
2: anywhere? We do. Um, In fact, as our name implies, we view ourselves as an organization that can represent the interests across the globe. Uh, We have had interest expressed already from uh, the European community. We are exploring interest in Canada and Mexico as well. Uh, And, you know, there is no reason why, as we continue to grow, that we wouldn't um, seek out um, interested parties around the globe. so to our international uh, brethren and sisters, um, please if anyone is has interest in this topic and would like to explore more how ACP can help you to start a chapter or uh, an entire organization within your region, be happy to uh, help get you in touch with the right members of uh, the national team.
1: Well that would be great because you know there are Areas that you even mentioned it that are kind of underserved or barely represented at all because you know some areas are just so large you know people can't get to you know their neighboring country or something for a chapter meeting or or something along those lines, so sometimes starting exactly. something that's uh, local would uh, offer a lot of benefit to many areas out there
2: well, and there are so many benefits to being an ACP member I mean just to list some of the top. As I mentioned earlier, the membership in the ACP is some of the most knowledgeable, passionate, experienced individuals in our fields. You know, go back to that list of different disciplines I mentioned. So professional networking is a huge opportunity. Um, Simply going to the LinkedIn group on LinkedIn uh, for the ACP, post a question. Send a message to the national office. Hey, I'm wondering if, has anybody done, does anybody have? Uh, And we get that message out to all of the chapters. Um, Education. We do um, monthly uh, webinars. We have relationships with all of the certification organizations. We have relationships with many of the academic institutions offering degree programs in this discipline. Um, guidance on those certification and degree programs is something we can help you with. Uh, leadership at local and national levers, levels. If you, Particularly if you're a young professional, what better way to build your resume, your personal um, character, but to serve on a local board, or for that matter, come join the national board. Uh, We have volunteers, uh, and again, that is part of that model. It's not just a committee of two board members. Each uh, committee has done a call to the membership for volunteers, and, and that is an open call. So again, if you have any interest in that, reach out to us. And I mean, the, what pays for membership almost immediately is the variety and number of member discounts that are available to ACP members, discounts to all of the industry conferences, discounts for educational courses at at academic institutions, discounts from vendors, discounts on training, um, a tremendous variety of ways that more than pay you back for the, um, very low fee that is asked each year to, for, for you to sustain your membership.
1: And let's face it, you know, we're all cost conscious. So any kind of discount you can get on things is going to be a benefit to you.
2: It is. And, and I really think what sets the ACP apart, and I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, it's our <laughs> membership. It's the quality of our people. It's the fact that each of our chapters is led by their own board, their own leaders doing what they think is important for their community. Our affiliations with DRI, BCI, Continuity Insights, and other associations and conference venues um, represented here in the U.S. for now uh, and BCI internationally. Uh, and as I've mentioned, the variety of opportunities and services offered through the six board committees. We've already hit on that we're planning to expand the ACP through mm-hmm. 2019, 2020, and beyond, beyond the borders of the U.S. Uh, and, you know, as I've mentioned, people have a variety of ways they can get engaged. Reach out to me. Go to the website. Um, contact ACP staff, Um, ask any of your friends, you know, if they are a member of the ACP. And, of course, that only applies to our brethren and sisters here in the U.S., but, you know, internationally, please reach out to us. We would love to help you uh, on your journey here in this exciting field.
1: And with the networking, you know, we all know people cross-border as well. So, you know, that can, you can always ask somebody, I can always ask somebody in the United States, you know, uh, if they're a member or how to get in contact. So on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We're talking with uh, the National Board Chair of the Association of Continuity Professionals, and uh, that is Scott Ream, and we will be right back.
3: Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, book 18. Rachel Carson, in the sea around us, said, All at last, return to the sea. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. 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 Okay. Opinion. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Hear Your voice hear counts. Me. Hear me. Hear me. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to preparing for the unexpected.
1: Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking with Scott Rehm of ACP, the Association of Continuity Professionals. He's the National Board Chair. And Scott, you've given us some great information about ACP. Um, And I'm wondering... Uh, I'd like to start off this segment with getting your opinion on what do you think some of the major challenges or hurdles um, BCM or disaster recovery professionals have right now.
2: That's a great question, and and there are a number of challenges that we face. Um, you know, when you posed that question to me in preparation, I thought about it, and and what what comes to me first is something I alluded to indirectly in the first segment, which is the view of what we do by organizations um, that that we work within. Um, It is not a profit center. It is a cost center. And uh, depending upon how far down the road an organization has already gone and the degree to which this is a regulatory mandate or not, it is perceived as Oh, God, we got to do that? Oh, okay. Or, yeah. oh, crap, here come those compliance people again. <laughs> yep. Um, and it, um, I think that's the challenge. Um, it's very easy for practitioners, again, because particularly in the regulated industries, to fall on the, well, we have to do it, um, motivation. And that's not a really effective motivation. Um, in my humble opinion, the data, the information that is gathered through business impact analysis, recovery strategy formulation, IT systems dependency analysis, um, you know, site risk assessments, all the valuable resources that our expertise allows organizations to gather, achieve, utilize, is frankly underutilized in most instances. You know, all this great data, I'll give you an example, business impact analysis data, which for any institution when it's done in quote, as a best practice, as a robust implementation, you know, you're gonna look at all of the categories of critical dependency on which functions, if not available, would not be able to sustain themselves. So things like workplace, key personnel, IT applications, um, and in the manufacturing setting, in many settings, not just manufacturing, facility systems, hospitals are full of facility services, medical gas, medical vacuum, all those things that are provided in quote in the law. Manufacturing organizations of course, uh, distribution houses, All of these institutions, and, you know, let's stay away from the regulated ones, you know, look more in the manufacturing, distribution, retail environment where they are not under any significant regulatory constraint, Sarbanes-Oxley being the Mm -hmm. closest, Uh, they really uh, probably in terms of program maturity, they tend to be on the lower end of the scale and therefore have the longest road ahead of them. And uh, the challenge is how do you effectively achieve that Um, without, you know, when, well, in their case, you can't drum them with compliance. Uh, And, you know, the, the issue is always around how do I get leadership, engagement, and support And oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, you go to any conference in this space, and there's always at least one presentation, if not more, on how to gain executive commitment and involvement in your program. And there are lots of good ideas out there. And I mean, frankly, there's nothing better than to have a chief operating executive at a company who just arrived from another institution that had catastrophic failure. They're on board, Um, Mm -hmm. but again, You know, the, the nature of this is, you know, leadership changes, uh, and it's constantly changing. And so my personal view, and I haven't achieved this completely, but um, I've made some inroads this way and love to talk to others about this concept, which is that business continuity, disaster recovery, crisis management, emergency management, all those things – can be extremely valuable directly to those with daily operations responsibility. And the challenge, the creative challenge for the business continuity, disaster recovery, et cetera, professional is how can I weave what I need this individual to be thinking about developing and ensuring so that. It just simply becomes part of how they do their daily operation. I mean, we are coming so far along with technology tools, you know, mobile platforms, you know, AI, that it is becoming increasingly easy to to creatively think of, okay, you know, as part of, as you do what you normally do, you know. By the way, you know, if we could just extract that information or if you just asked one more question in that train of thought, you'd have the content you need for your business continuity plan. Look how easy this could be. And notice how easy this is going to be to update and maintain. The challenge is on the business continuity professional or the disaster recovery professional because many feel that, okay, well, my job is to be the gatekeeper for compliance and, you know, I'll review plans, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The future, and, and and I really think there are so many of us in the field that feel this way and act this way already, and I'll really put the challenge out to our young professionals, be a consultant to the business. Don't come from, you know, this is what I need you to provide me, just let me know when you got it done.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, the, the, the proverbial questionnaire, fill this out for me and go off and do something, egg, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, that will. the way you'll know that that's not working is when you walk down a hall and people see you <laughs> and they turn around and go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> you know, what happens. <laughs> what I, what I th-
2: yeah, I, I think the real opportunity here is to engage your plan owners, your executives, and invest the time to understand their business. What are the kinds of data you're already gathering that look like this kind of information I need? How can I help you to make this not only less painful, but more importantly, useful to you on a daily, weekly, you know, periodic basis? And so right. the net of that is you know, that it requires thinking uh, and it requires investing time to ask questions. So, to me, that is the greatest challenge that we face. Um, How can we address these challenges? Well, I mean, in the same manner that um, those of us baby boomers who were (laughs) starry-eyed in the 60s and thinking about peace and love and how we can change the world, you know, that was our time. And sadly, too many of us became Wall Street brokers and other things. And you know what? A lot of the world's problems are still with us and in many cases getting worse. Um, The the baton is in the process of of being passed now. And particularly those young professionals interested in truly knowing that what they're doing makes a difference. I challenge you to think about this field. Helping large commercial enterprises, private commercial enterprises, not-for-profits, charitable organizations, uh, all kinds of institutions, government institutions, where appropriate, helping them to ensure that their most critical work is sustained. I mean, this is at the heart of what allows us to have the lifestyle we have here in Western civilization. And, uh I think their job of business continuity, et cetera, organizational resilience professionals, we're, we're right there, you know, at the front door, helping to ensure that that way of life is sustained.
1: Well, I agree with you completely. And would you believe we have only a couple of minutes left? So um, would you like to I'll, – I'll give you uh, the last two minutes here. Um, any closing comments you want to say about ACP or business continuity uh, or resiliency in general? Anything you want to give us a quick um, two-minute spiel on?
2: Absolutely. I am so excited about the future for the ACP. Um, we just did our board executive nominations. I have been asked to come back in 19 as the board chair to continue well, the congratulations. work we started. Thank you. And I am so excited about the future for the ACP, that the level of interest at the national board level, at the chapter level, the level of volunteerism that's underway, and particularly the level of interest we're getting with young professionals. We actually have a whole community of practice dedicated to supporting young professionals. So my closing remarks are... If this at all sparks interest for you, reach out to us. Let us help you to achieve whatever your passion is in this field. And with that, I thank you um Alex, and your international audience for the time to blather on to them about you know the a c p and a little bit about Scott Reem.
1: Well, it's been great to have you on the show, Scott, and I can definitely tell that you have a passion for this. It comes across in how you uh, speak and, you know, all the things that you're providing to us. So I I definitely uh, understand why you would be asked back uh, to to chair ACP. And so thank you very much for your time and joining us on the show. I do appreciate it. And thanks to uh, Sherry Umloff out there who introduced us from the Arizona chapter. Um, Wonderful. And, I'd like to remind everybody again. I'll be in Toronto in May 29th, 30th at the Continuity and Resilience Today Conference. And of course, if there's any other topics you'd like us to talk about or sponsorships, advertising, please feel free to get in touch with me. I will uh, include some contact information for ACP in the show description so that. All of you out there can get in contact with Scott if you've got a question for him or anybody else in the organization. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks again, Scott, for joining us. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody.